Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're talking about contentment as a spiritual discipline. Now, that may not sound like a very fun topic, but believe me, the more content I am, the more fun I am and everybody else is around me. I call it a spiritual discipline because I think it takes the Holy Spirit to help help us live with contentment or contentedly. And it is a discipline because it takes some work on our part to make it happen. I'm not an expert on being content 100% of the time. Maybe that's why I'm a good person to talk about it. I do know that it's all about trusting God, and I always need help in learning to trust God better and deeper. So thank you for joining me today on this part of living a legacy life, a contented life. It would be fun if I could give you each $5 and we would get on a bus and go to the outlets and practice buying more for less. Sometimes it's the thrill of the deal that can keep us shopping. I'm always telling my husband, Mark, just how much I saved by what I spent. And he doesn't always appreciate my logic. I don't get it. Speaking of my husband, he's part Norwegian and part German, and he's from Iowa. I tell you this because my husband is very low maintenance. Once I was asked to speak on the topic, five needs of a husband. But I let someone else do that talk. Mark just has two needs, pizza and burritos, and that's about it. You really wouldn't want him speaking on this topic. It would be over in about 30 seconds. Oh, you want me to talk about being content? Well, I don't need it, so I don't buy it or want it or whatever. I ask him after dinner, do you want a piece of homemade chocolate cake? No, he says, he's full. Now, that's not what I asked him, was it? I didn't ask him if he needed it. I just asked if he wanted it. And for him, it's one and the same. After we'd been married a year, I began looking for a new house, and I realized that Mark could actually live in a tent and be content. Maybe that's where the word came from, content and tent. I didn't think it was very fair. After we had our first child, I began looking for a new home in earnest. A friend called to tell me that a house was available, and we could look at it that night only because they were leaving to go out of town the next day. And before a realtor got involved, I wasn't sure what that meant at the time, but I thought that meant saving money, which of course makes Mark more content. Excuse me. So I called my mom right away and I said, Mom, please pray that Mark will be willing to look at this house tonight. God moves mountains and Norwegians. She thought that was hilarious and she called all her Bible study women friends and laughed and they prayed for us. That is the bottom line, ladies. God moves mountains. And he moves them because he can and because he loves us. To be a man or woman of God, to live with contentment, does that mean we never can love anything or anyone else on this earth? I don't think so. He's a God of abundance, not scarcity. But it does mean that we go to God with our needs and our wants and let him sort it all out. Let him be the one moving the mountain. I can't do it anyway. I found through 33 years of marriage that God is 
a much better mover and shaker than I can ever be. This podcast could also be called The God Who Is Enough, The God Who Loves Me, or The God Who Meets All My Needs, or The God Who Moves Mountains and Norwegians. Let me read a three-question quiz to get our minds on this great topic. It's a little uh, tongue-in-cheek, but you'll get it. See if you can relate to any of the possible answers. And don't worry, it's multiple choice, so you can all get good marks. When I, number one, when I'm not content, it's usually because of A, my husband, B, my ex-husband, C, my children, D, the dog, E, my job, F, my mirror, G, all of the above, plus hormones, H, other, you can fill in the blank. Number two, if one or more of the following was drastically improved, I would be content. A, my body. B, my bank balance, C, my husband, D, my children, E, my church, F, my sofa, G, my mother, and then H, other. Last, number three, contentment is simply a matter of A, choosing to be happy, B, going to a yoga or uh, yoga on a consistent basis, C, reading my Bible every day, D, living in the perfect climate, that's 81 degrees with no humidity for me. E, knowing God, F, getting enough fiber, G, getting enough sleep, H, other. So the three questions to review. When I'm not content, it's usually because of, usually because of a person. (laughs) Number two, if one or more of the following was drastically improved, I would be content. And so we want other people to change, don't we? And contentment is, number three, is simply a matter of these things that we try to do. Now, Satan doesn't come at most of us with temptations to take drugs or to rob banks. His main temptation is to rob our joy and rob God of glory by keeping a bunch of unhappy, complaining, whining women on the loose. I don't want to be one of those women, but I have been, I'm sorry to say, more than once. Why is it such a good idea to be a contented person? Here are three reasons to cultivate contentment, just in case we're not contented. First, God values contentment. I started to make a list of verses that had to do with contentment, and I had to stop. It got to be too long. This topic is woven throughout the fabric of the Bible. Among other things, contentment has to do with greed, covetousness, envy, jealousy, fear, worry, Overindulgence, wrong focus, self-reliance, pride. When we are not content, we deal with those things and more. And when we are content, we have the good parts version. Peace, joy, believing God, knowing God, faith, and trust. God places so much importance on it. They could start a Women of Contentment conference. They probably would not ask me to speak at it, however, and have famous people speak on it. God wants us to be content. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's something that we're to go after. So if you're not feeling content today, it's okay. It's something you need to go after, and I need to go after every day. Cultivating contentment is just good. It's good for us like 
a good cup of coffee. I'm not sure how that's good for us. But in the morning, it's good for us. Maybe a vitamin. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just take a vitamin, a contentment vitamin? Secondly, it's good for us. Being content is how God intended us to live. First, it's just good in and of itself, but it's good for us. Just like he made us for the Garden of Eden, and we blew it and stepped out of it. He's intended us to live with contentment, yet we step out of it. Maybe every 15 minutes, depending on the day. Maybe you haven't had your coffee yet. His intention is not that we be content just to show what a good person looks like, but it's for our good, our very good. That motivates me. I like things. I like to do things for myself that are good for me, like get a massage. It motivates me and it helps me want to want it more. It's like when I tell my girls, if you get sleep, you will feel better, period. And it adds to all of our contentment when you get sleep. It's not something I'm trying to punish you with or burden your life with. It's to bring you joy. Sleep is not an option. Neither is God or integrity. But that's another lesson. God says to me, Sue, be content. I've intended you to function better when you are. I will bring you joy. Let me do that for you. And last, contentment pleases our Heavenly Father. When we were first married, a new friend invited me for lunch after she had had lunch at my house. Her home is larger than mine. I knew that. I didn't care, I thought, but she did say it was something like 10,000 square feet. Now, that's a big house. And that was before our remodel, and I was contemplating wanting a bigger kitchen. Now, I figured her kitchen just might be a whole lot bigger than mine. So the morning I was going over to her house, I told Mark, Mark, you better pray for me today that I do not covet. I'm going to Joni's house for lunch. You know what Mark said? He said, that's your problem if you do covet. <laughs> he didn't sound very sympathetic. He does have very good bedside manner. I just think he uses it all up by the time he gets home. But he was right on that point. It's called working out your own salvation, so that's in Philippians 2. And it dawned on me later that maybe he responded that way because I had made him feel badly that he wasn't providing for me all that I wanted. I wasn't acting content. Now, I was not saying that to him. I was kind of saying it jokingly, you know, pray for me that I don't covet. When we aren't content, ladies, I think it grieves God. He says, look at all I've given her. She's still not looking at all the right places. She would only see what she does have. We need a new pair of glasses, don't we? We don't want to break God's heart. Maybe that's the biggest motivation we can have for cultivating contentment. I went ahead and prayed for myself since I wasn't getting any cooperation from Mark that I would not covet my friend's house. Coveting just makes you miserable after all. And God answered that prayer. I did not feel bad. I felt like I was celebrating a beautiful day and a beautiful home. I had a great day. I oohed and I awed and I didn't covet at all. I just admired and enjoyed. And we became friends. She didn't, she didn't want me to love her for her home. No one wants to be loved for their possessions, just for themselves. And God doesn't mind grandeur. Look at the temple he designed. Think about the house he's preparing for you in heaven. He wants us to be content. It's a good thing. It's good for us. And it gives him great joy. 
So why aren't we content when we're content? It all starts with wrong thinking. We think that someone or something or some situation is the basis for our contentment. We could call it the wrong some, someone, something, some situation will give us the ease of mind of true contentment. And none of those can. Maybe that's the better part of wisdom. When you get older, you've been through all those sums. Someone, something, some situation. You've longed for those things and they haven't panned out. They haven't reached all your many expectations. And you can either get depressed and bitter about it, or you can say, wow, I've learned a really hard lesson. God is what I really need. Haggai 1, 5, and 6 reads this way, You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, but only to put them in a purse with holes in in it. Now, you probably know I love purses, I go to thrift stores for the pure joy of finding a purse. I can justify purses that are secondhand. But even if one were free, if it had a hole in the bottom of it, I wouldn't take it home. It's worthless, isn't it? When we think even secretly that if only we had one more purse or a different house, one with a roof or one with a bigger kitchen, or if we had a different husband, or godly children, or if we didn't have rheumatoid arthritis or macular degeneration, or if our salary was just a little higher, then, then we would be content. That would be the if only things were different syndrome. And that is wrong thinking. Let me tell you why. The world says true contentment comes when our needs are met and you or someone else or something else is responsible for meeting your needs. But it's not true, is it? We can't meet all our needs. No one person is meant to do that, including yourself. True contentment comes from God, period. Have a wonderful day, and I hope it's full of contentment as you go to God. He is not an empty purse. And ask him to meet all your needs and even a few or maybe all your wants. He knows what's best for us. Have a great day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.